praise the Lord. God is good. I want to thank God because of His mercy, because of His grace, because His love is never ending. Briefly this morning, we will look at the marriage institution and we will place emphasis according to the Spirit of God on the institution of marriage and the man and God, uh, the man and woman that God created. The man and woman that God created for the marriage institution. And it's my desire that the Lord will teach us this morning as we go through his word in Jesus' name. Father Lord, we ask for light, we ask for understanding, we ask for inspiration as we learn at your feet in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. I want to thank God because God is an awesome Father and He is a good God. And I want us to know that uh, right from the very beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 1, if we go to verse 26 to 31, it was God that created the man and the woman. And in verse 26, he said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So it was God's desire to make man to be like him, to walk like him, to talk like him, to do things like him. It was, it was God's desire to see a spirit being carrying a human flesh fulfilling his will and when we look at verse 31 of Genesis chapter 1 the Bible says and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good now in the account of the creation this is the first time in this account that the Bible made mention that God said everything he created was very good and this account was after he had created man so with man everything he created was very good and so moving on to know that we were created by God to be very good and that we were created for a purpose especially because we are made in his image likeness. The God that we serve saw that it was not good that man should be alone. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Verse 18 says that. So there was a helper that God sought to fit man's specific needs. There was a specific desire in the heart of God to meet that void in, in the life of Adam. 
And what God simply did was that he caused the man to sleep. And I love the scripture because it is wholesome and complete. Adam was caused to fall into a deep sleep. And God had the intention of creating or making something. Or let me say someone while he slept. And I want to say to brothers that it is of great importance to learn to sleep at the appropriate time. And when God is wanting you to sleep, please take the sleep. Now this deep sleep is a sleep. Is is what we we is is what necessitates that man to be able to recognize the will of God for him. When you sleep, you're in quote, you're no longer in control of what you do because everything is in quote at a standstill, those things are working. And what God wanted to do was that He wanted the man to solely rely on Him with no influence or no interference from the man so that he will be able to make out of him the woman that will suit him. And so when God made the woman from the rib that he took from the man, the Bible said he closed up the place with flesh in verse 20 and 21. Then in verse 23, the man said that this is at last the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam knew that that woman was taken out of him. And it came to the point that he recognized that this was the person that was suitable for his life. Brother, when you rest on God, when you allow God to walk on you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to do his perfect workings in you, then you're subjecting your will to his will. You're able to hear properly, you're able to see well, you're able to discern, to know the appropriate sister that you should marry. We go on to say that some things that I've learned over time and some things that the Spirit of God impresses on my heart is that it is God that makes a man. It is also God that creates a woman. God distinguished the man from a woman right from the very beginning. And God ensured that there was a soft spot in the heart and in the life of the man that he was able to cover up with flesh so that everything is not just a bony structure. There was flesh, which means that there was a point in him that he had, let me say, a weak point in him. And because of this weak point in a man, he tends to guide it with all diligence and guide it with all strength and might. So that he will not be reading on. God brought the woman to the man and not the other way around. 
So as a sister or as a lady, when you begin to bring yourself to this man, bring yourself to him before the Lord announces you to him, there is an error. Like I said earlier, Adam was put in deep sleep because physical senses could not get him a real woman after God's own heart. He had to lose his physical senses at that point in time to give dominance to the spirit and to the workings and the doings of God upon his life in order that he might choose right. You'll notice that in naming the different animals that paraded before him, Adam used his physical senses, he used his physical knowledge, he used his physical ability. But when he came to woman, he did not use his physical ability to make the woman or to give the woman that name woman. It was after he had had a deep sleep and dealing and working with God. That was how under the inspiration of God Almighty, he was able to say, this is now the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman. You notice that the Bible says in Genesis 2.20 that there was no suitable helper for the man. Even after all these animals had advertised themselves and paraded themselves before him, there was still no suitable person or helper for him until the woman came. So as long as you rely on physical sense of judgment to choose your life partner, things will definitely go wrong. So as daughters of Zion, we should not parade ourselves in front of these brothers as though we are preachers advertising ourselves and as if we do not have an identity. No, sister, you have an identity. You have an identity to protect. If as a sister you parade yourselves in front of men looking for love, affection, and identity, then you have lost yourself what? You have lost your dignity and maybe your virginity will soon be lost if you continue to go this way. What the Lord requires of us is that we will stay where we are until we are made. Adam stayed where he was. God worked on him and brought out the best in him. The best in Adam was that woman. And as the woman, God brought or brings us out after he has shaped us. After he has made us into who he wants us to be. And so until he reveals you to the man, veil yourself. The Bible said that Rebecca covered herself up with a veil as she approached she approached Isaac. So you want to veil yourself. Get on in the work of God. Go on in the work of God. Be busy doing what the Father has called you to do until he reveals you to the man. I pray that God will grant us grace in the name of Jesus. Now remember that earlier on I made mention of the fact that God took a rib from Adam and he closed it up with flesh, which makes the man have a 
soft spot in him and a certain weakness or a weak structure now which you as a woman should not expose but you should support you should strengthen you should come together having a sense of interest in his life that his life will be better as the woman we should a, a, a determination in us that who God has given us to be our head will succeed because when that man succeeds you are succeeding as a woman there's not only a meeting physically flesh to flesh bone to bone there's also a spiritual connection between the man and the wife time you get to the altar and um, after you exchange vows and after you say I do there's a there's a link between your spirit something more than your flesh and blood links you together your spirit begins to have connection and desire expression and and that's why or that's of the pivot on which your calling begins to have expression the calling of the man begins to have expression. The calling of the woman is embedded in the man. And the woman should learn to wait until that calling is revealed. We have our callings differently as the man and the woman. But when we become one, then the woman, as a matter of responsibility, should support the man's calling under God and then you will see that with time your own calling will find expression in his own calling in essence your callings and assignments are linked even though sometimes it may not look like it initially the breath of God made both the man and the woman become living souls without the breath of God without the spirit of God in relationships there will always come to a point in time where there will not be a spiritual or divine alignment that's when you see that the lady is saying another language the man is saying another thing and they never converge at a point the man and the woman or the intending couples should ensure that they come to a place where they have one purpose and that one purpose can be achieved only by allowing the spirit of god to take over your relationship your purpose and calling receives meaning only by divine alignment so it is important to marry right it is important to wait on god to marry the right person that god has ordained because when you marry right, then your calling and your ministry will be right and well aligned with heaven. Divine alignment comes when we present our bodies to God. Romans 12, 1-2. Not presenting our bodies to each other. So many people ask questions. What are the things that we should do in courtship? What are the things we should not do? Should we do this? Should we do that? 
And one major thing I want to stress is that for two to become one, there has to be a divine alignment when both of them present their bodies to God as a living sacrifice. It is only when we allow God in our relationships, that is when He takes control of that relationship. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Romans 12, 1-2 says, presenting your body as a living sacrifice. So you present, the man presents himself, the woman presents herself to God, and they must be ready to accept the will of God. And not only accept the will of God, they must be ready to do the will of God. We have to be living sacrifices. We're not dead. And why are we living? We are living because the Spirit of God makes us alive. Your reasonable act of service, according to that scripture, is to be holy and acceptable unto God. You notice that Abel's life was acceptable before God, before his offering. So whatever you are bringing to the table, whatever you are bringing to God, your life must first be acceptable to God. And it is important that there is a renewing of our mind because when our mind is renewed, this brings transformation and it gets rid of confusion and conformation with the world. Then when we we are subjected our mind to renewal process, by the Holy Spirit, then we are able to readily know the various levels of His will, His good will, His acceptable will, and His perfect will. So, as Christians, we should subject ourselves to be under God, presenting our bodies, telling ourselves that no, flesh will not glory in me. When your flesh as a brother is trying to dictate that, come on, don't you say that this your lady is beautiful, why not just touch her, just kiss her. Your body, because it has been presented to God, then you will be able to say, no, I'll flee from every form of fornication, every form of lustful desires. Yes, I know that the way we are humanly wired, our emotions we want to play pranks on us sometimes and as a lady you just want at times that your man will just hold you before marriage and do stuff to you but i want to tell us that this is wrong the bible says that the bed should be made undefiled and it also says that do not wake up love when they sleep in songs of solomon chapter 3 verse 5 so many people that have woken up love when he was just sleeping had gotten himself pregnant before marriage. Had been faced with issues of having to go into an abortion before marriage. Has had issues of so many things, infidelity, so many issues. So to avoid all this, I call this, I call this headaches. Present your body. The body is not yours. Before marriage, the body is not yours. It is for God. What you do with your body matters to God. 
how can you present your body to God and then collect the body that you presented back from him? Because that is what we do when we go back to lust, when we go back to sin, when we go back to fornication. That is collecting back what we gave God. And God will not be pleased with that. And that is why it is important that we should settle a place of our salvation. The Bible says that he who professes that he has Christ sins not. When I saw that passage in scriptures, it blew my mind. How can we say we know Christ and then continue to sin? Let us meditate on those words. Because when we have settled the issue of our salvation, when we have presented ourselves to God as a holy sacrifice unto Him, when we have subjected our will to His will and not our fleshy desires, we will subject our flesh and we will allow our flesh to be subjected and the Spirit of God in us will take over. A man has a body. We have a body. We possess a spirit and a soul with residence on our inside. Let us allow the spirit of God to take preeminence over the soul, over our mind, over our emotions, and over our body. So if God is leading you as a brother to have a sister, and you're thinking God is saying this is the will of God for you, you want to consider certain things like what is God saying concerning this sister? What word has God given me concerning this relationship? Because I tell you, the true word that you hear from God will carry you through the storms when they come. Storms definitely comes into relationships. But when you have a word, a sure word from God, then that sure word takes you through the times of the storm. You want to know who really is this brother, who really is this sister. You want the Lord to reveal the intent of the heart to you. And you can only do this when you subject your will to his will. And when you allow the Spirit of God to take over. You want to do a spiritual check in the Spirit. You search your spirit who is this brother in the Spirit. You search your spirit who is this sister in the Spirit. And when you seek to know, you will have the answer. God will speak. You also want to know about him physically. You want to ask who she is, who he is, by maybe people that know him around, people that will tell you the truth about him. You want to be sure about his faith in God. You want to be sure about his background, his family, his religious or doctrinal beliefs, his education, his hopes and beliefs. You want to know as a sister where this brother is going. Is he a time saver or is he a time waster? You want to know as a brother what the sister, the help that he can offer you. Because if there's no help he can offer you, the specific help you need, then you may not be with the right sister yet. You want to carry along your spiritual parents and your physical parents. You want to carry them along appropriately and timely. Many brethren are falling victim of love. I hear some, some, some brethren say, oh, it was love at first sight. But I tell them, no, it wasn't love at first sight. It was lust at first sight. 
There's nothing like love at first sight in the Bible. There is only one true love, which is the agape love. And this true agape love of Christ should be where the love of the brother or the sister starts for each other. It is on the basis of agape love that you are drawn to each other and then you begin to see a connection, just like the connection and the feeling of purpose that Elizabeth's baby had with Mary. Bible recorded in Luke chapter 1 verse 44 that as soon as Mary gave a salutation to Elizabeth, he said the baby in Elizabeth leaped and that showed a pull, that showed a connection and a feeling of purpose. There has to be a connection. There has to be something that will strike a chord in both of you. Not fleshy chords. There has to be something, a pull that both of you will know that there is something in the sister's life that pulls me to her. And there's something in this brother's life that pulls me to him. There's something that I think I carry that will provide help for this brother. And the brother will say, oh, there's something in me that I think this sister needs to fulfill. And so, when you propose, don't propose with your senses. Don't propose with with, with her. Without, without the Lord leading you. Some brothers have gone to propose, they've gone to propose at the wrong time. Some have gone to propose to the wrong lady. Just out of anxiety, out of, oh, let me quickly propose before another person goes there. No. Follow God's time. Follow God's leading. And put your flesh under. If as a sister, the brother is not coming yet, you want to pray and keep praying that the Lord will open the eyes of the brother because the sister is being revealed to the brother. The Bible said that God brought the woman to the man. So don't see a brother that you like and keep going around him so that maybe he will begin to have a feeling for you and then finally propose. Don't make a brother to forcefully propose to you. You are a princess. You have a royal priesthood. Don't, don't make an impression in his heart and confuse his heart. If he knows that you are for him, Allow God to tell him that and allow him to come to you to properly propose. And what I mean by properly propose is to say, Sister, ask as God will lead him, but one thing is that he will let you know that he has an interest in you and he wants you to be in relationship with him. So, sister, if the brother has not said anything, has not proposed, has not told you that he wants you to be in a relationship with him, do not assume. Do not assume that he has proposed when in fact he did not propose. Pray that God will give us wisdom in order to understand in the name of Jesus. It's important at every time to ask what the Lord is doing so that when we know what the Lord is doing, we can live our lives right. It is important for us to know that marriage is key to life. 
and I would permit me to say it's key to eternity because we have done counseling, my husband and I, and we have seen how marriage has made some and how marriage has marred some. Some brothers that carry great destinies have regretted on this institution of marriage, especially when they married wrongly. And now they have to grapple with the fact to just make do with what they have. God's intention is not for you to manage or make do with your relationship. No. God wants your marriage to have expression. God wants your marriage to be unique. God wants your marriage to achieve a purpose and fulfill an assignment. Each home has an assignment from God. And each home has something that heaven wants them to fulfill. So imagine what happens when a brother is married to a wrong sister or when a sister is married to a wrong brother. In essence, what am I saying? Wait on God. He pays to wait and marry right. If you're not sure, do not propose. If you're not sure, sister, do not say yes. Wait until you are very sure. In summary, I want to say that it is God that helps both to build their homes or their home. I love what Proverbs 14.1 says. It says, a wise woman builds a house. Some say a wise woman builds a home. It is evident that the God has given the woman a specific job. And I think that is the help that that man needs to build that home. So if you are crossing from relationship to courtship, and then courtship, you know, thinking of settling down for marriage, you're preparing for your wedding. Know as the woman that you have an assignment that this home under God must work. And how you make it work is being a woman after God's own heart. If we read Ephesians 5, especially in the Amplified Classic Version, I love that version. And it says that the wife should adapt to their own husbands. So there's a place of adaptation. Know that both of you are coming from different backgrounds and what you want to do is see how your different backgrounds can fit into this new home. So there has to be some dropping this, some picking this, some dropping here, some picking this before you now get a final, fine tune of what God intends. Remember that the clay in the hand of the potter we have to the, the potter we have to remove so many impurities and so many things that will not make that shape to come out or to blend well so will you allow your home in the hand of the potter who is God to build and shape that home to fit that purpose and assignment that God has called you to do would you allow yourself to be a vessel unto honor that you will be made of gold and silver, a utensil that God can use? Will you be that man or woman 
that will subject your will to God's will to say, God, because I know that the marriage institution is built by you. You honor that institution. Lord, I will wait for the right man. Lord, I will wait for the right lady. And I will wait that when the time comes, we will not disappoint you. The Bible says in that same Ephesians that the wife should notice her husband, should regard her husband, honor, esteem, praise her husband. I mean, there is no man, a woman would do this to, and the man will not always love that woman. In marriage or in marriages, there are always, like I said earlier, points of storm, but be still. Jesus says to the storm, he's always with us in the storm. Know that in the first few years of marriage, it has to be like a trial and error. We try, this is not working, you drop it, you try. Always make sure that you you remain malleable in the hands of God. Don't be stiff-necked. Don't be stiff-necked to your husband. Don't be stiff-necked to your wife. Know that you're coming from different backgrounds, different beliefs, maybe different doctrines. And you have to come together to make this home work. Your home is unique. Your home is not your parents' home. Your home is yours and is unique. And that's the way God wants it. He said the man should cleave to his wife after he has left his father and mother. There's a living for a cleaving. It is important we do not invite strangers into our home, physical strangers, spiritual strangers. Strangers could be beliefs, could be doctrines, counsels from people, physical counsels from people. You don't want strangers in your home. You shield everything off you because you want this home to be built upon the solid rock. And the Bible also says that the husband should love his wife. The man who will love the woman, once the woman regards him, notices him, and does everything that the Bible asks her to do. The man will praise the woman and praise his wife like that Proverbs 31 woman. The man wants He's blessed by her who will bless her. The children will even call her blessed. So in summary, God instituted marriage. God instituted home. God started it all in all his wisdom and power. And all he desires is that you having been made in his image and likeness and having his spirit within you with that spirit you will be sensitive enough to recognize who he has called you to be and with that spirit in you you can discern the man or the woman that you should marry and that once you discern the man and woman that you should marry you will obey his, his instructions by keeping the bed undefiled until the time of marriage and that by the time you marry you will live
whichever stage or phase you are, you're trusting God for a life partner. God gave me a wonderful life partner. He will give you a wonderful life partner. If you are at the stage that you have said yes to a brother or you have approached a sister and you are courting, make sure that you obey the instructions of God so that the wrath do not visit you because when we do things contrary to the will of God, we are inviting the wrath of God. I pray that the wrath of God will not come upon us because he will give you grace to obey him in Jesus' name. And if you're already married, I pray that God will give you the grace that your home will be built upon a solid rock, unshakable and immovable. I pray that if you're still young and you're searching or you're not searching yet or you're just waiting on God, just wait on God. Just wait on God. And the Lord will fulfill His will in our lives. In Jesus' name. Stay blessed. I want to sincerely welcome everybody to today's Zoom meeting. And I want to trust the Lord that the Lord will bless us tremendously as we begin to look at the Word of God together. But before I we begin to look at the Word, I want to I want us to bow down our heads and let's just speak to the Lord. I want you to just pray and ask God today, the Lord open my eyes to all the hindrances to my hearing you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you very much. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We worship you. We ask today that you will open our eyes to see any possible things that would hinder me from hearing you in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we consider your word again this evening, I ask that you will open our eyes to those things that either two had not allowed us to hear you loud and clear. Lord, we know that the problem cannot be you because nothing can hinder you from talking, neither is anything hindering the flow of your word. But the only hindrance could come from us. We are asking tonight, Lord, that you will open our eyes of understanding and you will teach us in the name of Jesus. We will understand reasons why we have not been able to hear you effectively and we will go ahead to remove them and forthwith our hearing you will be enhanced in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We appreciate you. We give you all the glory and praise for in Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, you recall that we've been talking about developing and hearing ears. 
and to the glory of God, we have begun to see that the Lord actually wants us to hear him because every dealings of God with man has to do with hearing him. And by the grace of God, God had opened our eyes severally to how we are to develop a hearing here. And tonight, I believe very strongly that God wants to open our eyes to possible hindrances to hearing God. What are the things that can likely hinder us from hearing God expressly? Now, the first thing I want us to establish this evening is to understand that when we talk about hindrances to hearing God, all of them is not of the devil. Now, let me start by telling you at this point that when you talk about communicating, you are talking about two-way thing. You are talking about what God says, that is God talking, and we are talking about man hearing. Hallelujah. Now, the only challenge that can be, cannot be on the side of God. It can only be on the side of man. Now, we have established something. The dealings of God with man is on the basis of his word. Hallelujah. As far as God is concerned, his dealing with man is on the basis of his word. And to that extent, God is always speaking. Praise the Lord. And I want to tell you tonight that God will not stop talking until the last man has left this heart. Praise the Lord. Because his dealings with man is on the basis of his word. God speaks. That is an established fact. Hallelujah. Now, the second thing I want you to realize tonight is as I lay this foundation is that nothing determines what God says except him alone. And to that extent, nothing can stop him from talking. Praise the Lord. There is no power either on earth or in heaven that can stop God from talking. Praise the Lord. So when we talk about hindrances here, we are not talking about hindrances on the God side. We are talking about hindrances on the man's side. Praise the Lord. In other words, when we talk about hindrances to hearing, that's why we're not saying hindrances to speaking. Because nothing can hinder God from saying what he wants to say. No devil, no principality, nothing can, de never, nothing determines what God says. All right? You know, it is what God wants to say that he says. It is what he wants you to know that he communicates to you. Praise the Lord. And so, to that extent, God, the hindrances we are talking about here, has nothing and it will not have anything to do with God. It will only have to do with us. So, what are these hindrances, therefore? What are the things that can hinder 
a man from hearing God effectively. Praise the Lord. And I have about five basic hindrances here. But I'm going to look at one in this series because I am going to, I would, I would trust the Lord to help us to go into some depth as far as this particular hindrance is concerned. Now, so the first hindrance I'm going to talk about tonight is the hindrance called unbelief. Praise the Lord. It's that hindrance that is called what? Unbelief. Amen. Now, let me say, let me establish some certain things here. Number one, I'd like you to know that everything that God speaks, he speaks on the backdrop of impossibility. What do I mean? When God says a thing, because he is God and he is talking to man, the first thing is that what he says will always be beyond what the natural ability of a man can handle. Praise the Lord. Now, take example from when the angel appeared unto Mary. The angel told Mary, he said, Mary, you are blessed and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, the question Mary asked was, how shall this be? That is usually the characteristics of the things that God speaks. Because he is God and there is no impossibility with him, he only declares. Hallelujah. But then, when he declares, he is not asking you to start running around on what he had said. He is rather expecting your response of belief. Praise the Lord. Now, may I tell you this? One of the things that will not make a man to develop a hearing here of God is when that man constantly approaches what God says with unbelief. Now, let me quickly correct something here. You probably may not believe him at the instance that he has spoken, all right, based on the ability you have. But God expects you to agree with what he has said. Now, if you read the book of Exodus, you will find out that when God appeared to Moses, God said, I have seen the affliction of my people and I have come down to rescue them. And I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Now, you need to understand the backdrop of who Moses was relative to the Pharaoh that God was sending him to. This is the same Pharaoh that has vowed that the day he sees Moses, Moses will become a dead man. Now, this is the same person that God was sending Moses to. Now, God does not expect, oh, Father, okay, let's just go now. Uh -uh. Moses began to engage God. 
Let me tell you this. There is difference between unbelief and engaging God. Praise the Lord. Now, when God speaks, there are times that God expects that you all, let me put it this way. God will not be surprised sometimes at your responses. Praise the Lord. But then he expects you to agree with him according to what he has said. Praise the Lord. Now, if you look at people that has had encounter with God, even though in the beginning they may say, ah, how shall this be? They will always end up with the statement, let it be unto me according to your word. That will always be their final reaction. So I want to encourage you tonight that when you are dealing with God and you want to develop a hearing ears, you must understand that what God will say we always be on the background of impossibility. But yet, his expectation is his expectation is for you to agree with what he has said and simply you know rest let it rest in your mind that he that had spoken is able to fulfill what he has said. God is not necessarily looking for your contribution to fulfill his word. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, the word that God speaks, they are spirits and they are life. The meaning of that is that the word of God has an inherent competence to fulfill itself irrespective of the situation to which he is sent to. The word of God carries the power to change and affect any situation to which the word is sent to. So what am I telling you tonight? Unbelief, all right, by the enormity of what God says, can make you to truncate hearing God. Like I told you in one of the series, if you look at the way God speaks to man, until you give him an attention, he probably may not continue in what he is saying. You recall that in the same book of Exodus, when he was talking to Moses, that Exodus chapter 3, the first time God appeared, that Moses saw the bush burning and the bush was not consumed. The Bible said, Moses said unto himself, Now I will turn me aside and see this great sight. Why the bush burned and the bush was not consumed. And the Bible said, and when God saw that he had turned him aside, God spoke. That is to tell you that it is possible that there are several people that had passed through that path that day and that saw the bush that was burning, but they never, they were not careful enough to look at it. God speaks to people that gives him attention. God speaks to people that want to hear him. So, if you are going to continuously develop a hearing ear, you must understand that this God that is talking 
is the God that desires an attention. And until you give him that attention, he may not continue, continue with what he had to say. It was when God saw that Moses had turned himself aside to hear him. That was when God continued with what he had said. And I want us to learn a very big lesson from that. Hear this tonight. When God is speaking, until that attention is given to him, he will only say a thing and he will not continue with what he had to say. That is why quite a number of us as Christians, we tend to forfeit God speaking. If you understand the dealings of God very well, you will find out that God is what we call all or none. All or none means that it's either you are hearing him or you are hearing something else. If you are if you if he sees that you are not hearing him, he will stop what he is saying until that attention you give him. Again, you will recall that in the book of 1 Samuel, the same thing happened to Samuel. The Bible says, each time God calls, he will say, Samuel, Samuel. And as long as Samuel will stand up and run to Eli, God only called him. He never released the message. And may I tell you this? I discovered that quite a number of us as Christians, maybe this is really one of our major problems. A lot of us, the moment we hear God, all right, he has not spoken, he has not said what he wants to say. The moment, oh, I have heard God. Now, you have not heard the real message, but we will go to the street. Oh, the Lord spoke to me. Now, that God speaks to you is not a big thing. It's not a new thing. That is the legitimate thing that should happen between a father and a son. God will always speak. Praise the Lord. The moment you are in a relationship with him, his intention is to speak to you. Just like a mother, we always desire to speak to his, to, to, to her son or daughter. So I want you to realize today that until you give him that attention, he may not continue what he wants to release to you. And this is really why what we have as Christians today are ephemeral words. You know, when God spoke to Samuel, the Bible said, Samuel will always stand up and he will say, I think I've heard the word. And he will run to the wrong person. He will go to Eli and say, Sir, you called me. And I discovered, if you read that scripture for, properly, First Samuel, you will find out that it was until the fourth time, in fact, after the third time, that Eli said, when he speaks to you again, tell him that, speak, your servant hear it. As a matter of fact, if you look at the scripture, time will not allow me to open into it now. If you look at the scripture, you will find out that the fourth time, the moment Eli told Samuel, that when he speaks again, tell him, speak, thy servant hear it. The Bible says, 
and God came near unto Samuel. And then he called him the, th the fourth time. And the moment Samuel says, speak, your servant hear it, the message started flowing. God began to speak to him. In the name of Jesus, from tonight, you will constantly hear him. In the name of Jesus Christ. So what I'm teaching you tonight is that unbelief is, an, is a major hindrance to hearing God. Don't let unbelief catch up with you. Now, I am not saying that the moment God speaks, you will just take it like that. There is going to be a cloud of unbelief. Is it God that is speaking? Is it the devil I am hearing? All right, all these clouds are going to be there. But what I am telling you tonight is that your reaction to that is for you to agree that it is the Lord that hath spoken that carries the capacity to fulfill what he has said. God has never asked you to rationalize how. He has only said, believe what? Praise the Lord. He has never, he has never asked you to rationalize what he has said. When God told Mary that you are going to have a child and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, that is beyond human rationalization. But Mary made a very profound statement. He said, let it be unto me according to your word. That is what removes the power of unbelief. So I'm not telling you tonight that unbelief will not come. I am not telling you tonight that you will not, a, 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 a thought of, hmm, 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 is it true? Am I sure this is God? That will always be there because you are human. We move in the cloud of a rational world that cannot understand spiritual realities and dealings. That is the world to which we move in. But I am telling you tonight that your own reaction to that aura of unbelief that we always come when the word of God is spoken to a man, your reaction to it is to agree that that word is able, competent enough to come to pass. Praise the name of the Lord. You recall in the book of Luke chapter 5, when Jesus encountered Peter and Jesus said, Launch now into the deep for a great catch. You recall that Peter told him, he said, Master, we have toiled all night. Now, that anybody will look at it and say is a statement of unbelief. No, he is only engaging God. And that is the fact you must understand in this teaching. That there is difference between engaging God and acting on unbelief. All right. The difference between the two is what ends that thought or what ends that discussion. When Jesus told Peter, he said, launch into the deep for a great catch. Peter simply told him, he said, master, we have toiled all night. 
All right? And we have caught nothing. Praise the Lord. Now, hear this tonight. Faith does not necessarily mean denial of the fact. No. Faith simply means overcoming the fact, agreeing with the word of God over and above an existing fact. Praise the Lord. Now, Peter did not deny the fact that they had toiled all night. He reported that to Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. But he added a word to it. He said, at thy word. Praise the Lord. Now, that statement, at thy word, I will launch out already nullified what we will look at as a statement of unbelief that is said earlier. He already said, Master, the fact is that we have toiled all night. The fact is that they don't catch fish in the day. The fact is that we are experienced fishermen that understand the intrigues and what it means to catch fish or fishes. The fact is that we have already uh, 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 we have already uh, 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 we are already discouraged on this issue of catching fish today. But nevertheless, may you always put nevertheless to overcome every sense or aura of unbelief that casts shadow on that which God declares to you in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, nevertheless, Master, at thy word. The meaning of that word, at thy word, is that, sir, in the face of all the overwhelming experience of fishing that we have, regardless of the fact that we are already discouraged in this issue of catching fishes tonight, I mean today, the fact that we have washed our nets irrespective, we agree with your word. And sir, our action is not based on our experience. It is not based on what we think. It is not based on our on our our perception. It is not even based on our expertise, but at thy word. Now, on the basis of at thy word, fishes came. Praise the Lord. Now, what therefore brought the fish is not the fact that they were experienced fishermen. It is the fact that their action was premised on the word that God spoke. Praise the name of the Lord. And of course, you will know that the moment they finished that, Peter returned to Jesus and said, Master, depart from me, for I am a sinner. 
and Jesus now made the second pronouncement. You know, one thing used to baffle me each time I read that scripture. You know, I mean, it's like this. You saw somebody that said, launch into the deep. And the fish, because that day, it was not only Peter that came to fish in that river. His colleagues, the Bible said he had colleagues. Praise the Lord. Now, when they saw the miracle, it baffled me that it was it was Peter alone that returned to Jesus Christ. And I was also thinking that his colleagues should have said, Master, what about us? But do you know what? It was the Peter alone that returned to Jesus that had another word from Jesus. That Peter, really, this is not just a miracle of fishing. It is actually a miracle of altering your destiny. It is the fish issue is just one. The real thing that I want to do as far as your life is concerned is to tell you that in the last in, in the past years that you have lived, your life had believed on a wrong plane. You are actually supposed to be the fishers of men, but you are a fisherman now. There is something wrong. There is something wrong about your destiny. You are now, you are actually supposed to be the fishers of men, not a fisherman. So you are close to it, but you are not there. That was what altered the destiny of Peter to date. Peter became what he ought to be, what he was born to be at the second talking of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, he could have just carried all the fishes and say, hey, we bless, we, we thank our star today, and then he will go with it. But he returned to the master. And the master now giving a destiny-changing experience, not just a miracle at this time. May you hear God in the name of Jesus. So what am I telling you tonight? I am simply telling you that unbelief can actually make a man to cease from hearing God. And may I tell you this as I round up. God is not a God that speaks just once. When he says a thing, and the more ears you give him, the more he will expatiate on what he has said. He is not a God that finished talking at once. He just speaks in bits. And the more hear you give to him, the more you will hear him more. May unbelief never stop you from hearing the Lord. I pray for you tonight that this word that you have heard, will bless your life it will turn your life around in the name of jesus christ by the grace of god i will look at other hindrances in the next school of insights god bless you good evening